Mindfulness Mode 497. We don't want to be sitting on the sidelines. Like sitting on the sidelines is going home, popping open a beer and turning on CNN. Hey, welcome to the Mindfulness Mode podcast. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I have a free resource for you today. Maybe you're an employee, maybe you have employees, maybe you work in corporate. My free resource for you is called 10 Simple and Effective Ways to Increase Mindfulness in the Workplace Now. Follow this simple outline and it will cause productivity to increase in your workplace. And uh, I hope you enjoy this download. You can get it at mindfulnessmode.com forward slash workplace P. And the P stands for productivity. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. How many of us love dogs, love cats, love animals? How many of us would love to be able to communicate in a better way with animals? Well, guess what? You're going to learn all about that today because I have a phenomenal guest on today when it comes to animals and communicating. I have Lori and Spanya today with me. Hey, Lori, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am in mindfulness mode, mindfulness mode. And thank you for having me here, Bruce. I'm really excited. My pleasure. I am excited too. Yeah, I'm so excited too. And just so you know, Lori has written this amazing book called Learn Animal Communication and Telepathy. And you can you can go online and get it from Kindle. You know, you can download it that way. Get your hands on this book because it's so interesting. But Lori, I want to ask you, before I tell my listeners a little bit more about you, um, I want to ask you, what does mindfulness mean to you? Oh, wow. Uh, To me, mindfulness is about consciousness. It's about really being as fully present, conscious and aware of ourselves and of all that exists in every now moment to the best of our ability fully, wholly, and completely being as fully conscious and mindful as we possibly can. Oh, I love it. Yeah, that's great. Lori Ann Spagna is, like I said, a best-selling author. She's a spiritual teacher. She's an ascension guide. And we'll talk about what that really means. And she does visionary practices. And like you know, she teaches animal communication, intuitive development, and energy healing. Oh, there's so much that she does. She teaches uh, ascension. She teaches about ascension, so we'll talk about that, and provides transformational experiences for people and animals as she assists them in aligning with their true source so they can live their best lives ever. And she leads seminars on animal communication. So what I love is not only does Lori communicate with animals, but she will teach you how to do it. That's the cool thing. So Lori, when did you first understand and realize that you have this incredible ability to communicate with animals, which is over and above what many others have? Well, it first started actually when I I was living in corporate America, working in corporate America, but I was really very miserable. I used to call myself Mm -hmm. a good slave. And what ended up happening was my brother died of an unexpected drug overdose. And I started to get messages from him. And I mean, up until that point, You know, I had been volunteering around the world, working with animals, and I did a lot of volunteer work for animals in in the United States and abroad. 
but I didn't, I wasn't really actively practicing telepathy or communication or energy with them in a way that I do now. But when my brother died, I, I started hearing him in my head and his message was, you know, you're, you're going to end up like me if you don't change your ways. Like even that was extraordinary. Took me a long time to figure that out and unpack it. But when I really got it, I quit my six figure job and I became a dog trainer. And it was a huge risk. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, like my salary just went down to like nothing. And anyway, but while I was being trained, I was hired by a gentleman who spent 20 years working for the United States military, training service animals for the military, for the government. And when he left his tour or his service, he started his own business and recruited me to work for him. And the way he trained me was I had to do everything on automatic pilot. I wasn't allowed to be thinking. And he would videotape us. There were six of us hired out of a thousand people who had applied. Actually, initially it was eight people. But in any case, doing it all like that, you're not thinking my mind would go blank. And then I would hear the dogs. And that's where that really began. I would hear them and they would say, you listen to me and I will teach you. Oh, and you learned from them. Yeah, that was where it started. So initially it was like these messages of like, okay, we're here to help humans. <laughs> we're here to help the humans. And we would like to use you to help humans. So you can help us by learning what we're here to do. That was some of the earliest stuff. And then it was a lot about mm-hmm. energy, how they experience reality from everything's energy for them. and how they're here to help humans learn that and their roles. They were also teaching a lot about their key roles, what they were doing. So some of their key role, their key roles are, um, of course, they're here to, to be companions and to have an experience if they live with a human, but they're also here to be healers for the humans they live with or for the area of earth where they live. If they're, for example, whales and dolphins are literally healers of the waters. <laughs> so that's a, an example the other thing they're here for is to, to teach us, to be teachers to us, because we are in a massive evolutionary growth spurt here, as you know. And so mm-hmm. they're helping us learn how to navigate our world in a new way. You are an ascension guide. What does that mean? Well, ascension is this massive evolutionary change that's happening on planet Earth right now. That's, it is well underway. It is real. It's not a religious thing, necessarily. It is a a very significant blip in the evolutional in the evolutionary process of humanity and it's happening it's it's underway and it's really where humans are evolving from homo sapien to what we will eventually know ourselves as either homo luminous or homo divinicus or we may call ourselves homo galactus homo universalis however we eventually land we are in an evolutionary period and this period of time where we go through this accelerated evolution is happening. It's happening geographically. We can see changes in our geography. It's happening. I mean, it's global. It's happening in terms of our government, our healthcare, our medical institutions, our financial institutions, our media is transforming. This is like the birth of the internet is included in that. The birth of podcasts is included in that. I mean, it's all it's happening in our bodies. Our bodies are undergoing massive evolutionary change. And of, of course, our consciousness, which is why mindfulness is such so important right now. It, it really is. And what's the best way for us to ride the wave? 
as we move into this? Well, we want to be actively participating. We don't want to be sitting on the sidelines. Like sitting on the sidelines is going home, popping open a beer and turning on CNN or, you know, then, you know, football. You can do those. Didn't you just describe about 80% of the population? Yes. Well, sadly, like maybe not necessarily exactly that, but most of us, many people are blocking out life in one way or another, right? Well, I refer to this as the waves of ascension. And I'm not, I don't think I'm the only one who refers to it in this way. So ascension, the, uh, the, uh, the process of ascension, the evolutionary process is happening in waves. And if you think about like waves of an ocean, it's sort of like, where does one begin and one end and they all merge. So it's not totally linear, but we can define it in that way that we had a first wave come in. We even had a pre-wave. I call those like those who came in before the first wave, they tended the soil to make us ready. And those people are People like Gandhi is a good example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people like, um, yeah, okay, well, before you even go, you, you see them, even famous authors are still alive. Um, um, Louise Hay, Hay House, all their authors are good examples of first of pre-waivers. Dolores Cannon, if you're familiar with her, pre-waiver. Um, Michael Beckwith is a pre-waiver, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Wayne Dyer these great, fabulous leaders, you know, and teachers and many, many others I haven't even named. Then you have your first waivers. They really started in the sixties, JFK, MLK, John Lennon, um, you know, starting to teach and really, really ready us, wake us up out of our slumber. And you're still now, I call myself a, a, a first waiver. Because first waivers were active and engaged physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, very likely professionally by 2011. That's the first wave of people waking up and a very small percentage of the population, very small, hidden, like, you know, you wouldn't know about us very much before that time. Then your second waivers started waking up in 2012 and they're still waking up through 2020. They're getting involved. They're living in the mainstream. They're making change. They're doing all kinds of things. I mean, they're involved in the physical reality because first waivers, we work with the non-physical mostly. We bring it forward. Then second waivers take that and then they bring it into the physical world in a real way. Third waivers, those are the people you were referring to, Bruce. They haven't really woken up yet. You lived in in Maui. That's that's uh, a beautiful place to live. And I know Wayne Dyer lived there as well. But you had some near-death experiences there. Can you describe that and how they affected you? Yeah. While I was living there, I was going through my own ascension in an accelerated way. And uh, this was after I had already become a dog trainer and I was already communicating with animals. I had become a Reiki master. I started getting involved in a lot of the healing arts and I was practicing healing with animals and people and telepathy. And I was studying with a master. So this master had spent um, most of his life living in the Kundalini, uh, sorry, not Kundalini, Himalayan mountains. And um, he would work with energy. And he had himself had uh, multiple real death experiences, one of which documented he was in a morgue banging on a freezer inside the freezer documented case. So he knew how he, through his training in the esoteric and from his 
studies with these true masters, like you never know about these people living in the middle of the, these mountains in the Himalayan mountains. He was living in Maui and in Hawaii at that time. And I was able to practice with him and his lineage. And he knew how to take the essence of the consciousness out of the physical body. So he was teaching me how to do this for myself. And he had done it for me so that the whole physical reality essentially collapse because we know, we know from quantum physics, it's all non-matter anyway. Yes, we do know that. It's all just fields of subatomic particles, non-physical reality. So the moment your consciousness can be transformed to such a state of non-physical, you can experience that as a non non-life alive but not alive right that's what i call a near-death experience because even though it didn't happen in a traditional sense like in a hospital i was able to transcend the physical reality to such a degree that my consciousness was full and complete uh, completely conscious i was alive awake and aware of myself as an individuated being an aspect of this divine source and yet not in any physical form at all so interesting. Mm. Tell us about star seed. Mm. What does that mean? Well, star seeds know our we know ourselves as um, human embodiments that are just as much beings from the stars. So what happened to me while I was in Maui, I would meditate every night on the golf course where I lived, and I would look up at the sky and I would see starships. Uh, one particular night, it's very clear. Like I had worked in the, in the cable industry. I, I knew, I knew what satellites looked like. And at that time in Maui, after, um, my dog's having a dream here after, uh, 9 PM, the airport would close. So, you know, at 12 in the morning at 12 o'clock at night, you know, 11 o'clock at night, 12, two o'clock in the morning, you start seeing ships moving around. It's not a plane and it's not, it's not a satellite. So one particular night I, I was connecting with this ship. I was completely, I had no idea, you know, anything. I didn't know anything about extraterrestrials or any of that, but I just mentally telepathy said, if there's anything I can do to serve, like I thought they were here to help us with Ascension and the shift. This is all pre 2012. I just didn't know anything. And I said, if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. <laughs> so I was teletransported on the ship. And I mean, this might sound crazy to people. To me, it's just part of my experience of life, right? But in any case, I now understand through many years of working with this and what I call unpacking it, that was my star family. And that group of star beings who were humanoid and incredibly benevolent basically interacted with me, the person, the version of me, Lori, who had lived my entire earthly experience and integrated my, that aspect of my star self into me and with me. I call this a braided star seed. And embodied, I embodied into this body. I am that version of me and the same person I always was in the physical form. That's what a star, well, that's to me, that's an aspect of what a star seed is. But it's a person who resonates as, be, as being from the stars, star families. Beautiful. I love that. I want to know about your dog and I can see her behind you. <laughs> what does she bring to you? What does oh. she bring to your life? Well, let me say, first of all, she came to me 
really very close to the time I left Maui. And her name was already with her. Her name was Kiko. And um, at the time I got her, I actually really was not planning on keeping her. I was just going to help train her for the Maui Humane Society because she was just crazy neurotic dog. You can't tell that. She's yeah. so calm and No, I can't tell now. She's relaxed. She was just a wreck, crazy neurotic dog. And I was just going to train her to be of service, you know, to help her to be home. But you know what happens. Yes, <laughs> I do. Very quickly. And, uh, but really, what it was, she was so untrainable. And I was an awesome trainer. I mean, I was trained by, to me, the best, like Scott, the master trainer I was trained by. And I couldn't get her trained. She was just on her own timeline. So anyway, she just became mine. But the thing that was really fascinating about her is, first of all, she she did not really trust humans. And I really get that. I had to learn that too. That part of me, not only from my past, but also from my future, I really had to learn trust in this lifetime a lot. Um, and she had to learn that. So we were learning it together. But also... Um, and we were healing traumas together about abuse. I think we certainly were because as I was healing it, I was healing it for her. I, I get that she was maybe abused while she was in the mommy's belly. That's what I received from her to, you know, mm. through my exchanges of communication. It wasn't her physically who was abused, but her mommy when she was in the belly. But the other thing, this is the last piece I want to add about this that was so interesting is that I never made sense of this. One of the things I do as a healer is I work with the dormant DNA. And our DNA, which we can talk about that more, is holding codes. And I have come to know that they're called key codes, like keys that go in a door, key codes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's star code markings that connect us to our star family races. They're in the dormant DNA. Well, nonetheless, my dog's name is Kiko. Kiko. And I do key code activations. And I, that's, that's wild. I never even made sense of that, Bruce, like until maybe the last year, one of my <laughs> clients was like, do you realize your dog's name is Kiko and you do Kiko? And I was like, no, I did not realize that. I just think that is a perfect example of the universe and synchronicity. So funny. That really is a perfect example. Your book, I, I think it's really wonderful. I loved your book. And your book is called, and I'm just scrolling through here. Your book is called Learn Animal Communication. Uh, Learn Animal Communication. And yeah, I have parts of it up here. Uh, and, and one of the things that you say that in order to communicate with animals, and you've listed a number of things here in your book, being open-minded, having an open heart, mm -hmm. and the ability to be compassionate, mm -hmm. setting clear intention to communicate effectively and accurately. There are a few others. Do you think there are some human beings that do not have the ability to be compassionate? And that's a tough question. I, I, I think we all have the ability within us. I think some of us aren't necessarily using it and we haven't developed it. But I do think we all have the ability because we are all ultimately divine source. We are all ultimately aspect of that original divine source. However, we identify that source. We are aspects of it. And that source is infinitely compassionate. and so. There's, there's nothing ever withheld from anyone. We have to choose things. We have to 
will things and desire things sometimes. We have to actively engage and actively develop some things. And compassion is one of those things. It's like a muscle in our reality. So some people really have an enormous amount of it and others of us have to develop it like muscle. I don't think anything is ever withheld from any of us though. Tell me this, if, if I were a listener right now and I thought I want to get some tips on animal telepathy, so how I can communicate with my animal, what are some tips you could give us right now? Well, let me say, first of all, I I absolutely 100% know everyone, everyone can communicate telepathically. Everyone has the ability. One of the first things is to understand that, that we all have the ability to access a theta brainwave. And a theta brainwave is a universal brainwave that connects us to universal intelligence and to one another telepathically. So that's one thing. You just have to learn how to access one thing. You have to learn how to access the theta brainwave, which you can learn very easily and very quickly. Then you have to get good at accessing it fast and coming in and out of it and being able to stay awake because it's close to a delta brainwave where we go to sleep. So sometimes when people first start doing it, they fall asleep. But you have to learn how to do that. That's one. Number two, you have to learn how to develop your compassion because animals really, they feel safe in the presence of safety. And in order to expand and communicate telepathically, that's, that's part of what, just like you and I, you know, if, I, if, if, if you don't feel safe in our dialogue, you'll be like, okay, I've got to go. It's just how we function. Yeah. That's so, right. You have to develop that compassion and that sincerity, that authenticity, the willingness to really honestly, authentically hear, understand, share. That's a practice. And there's other practices too. I mean, just developing the ability to balance the left brain with the right brain, because we, we humans are very left brain oriented and we're using our analytical left brain, but animals are more right brain oriented. So we have to develop that within us to be more right-brained, which is, which is a listening, feeling, experiencing brain. That's part of it. We also, just one more quick thing I'll say as well. We have our pineal gland and our pituitary glands in the sort of back center of the brain. I'm sure you're, you, know, you know about this. Yes, yeah. As we That's develop right. and strengthen that, it's not a muscle, it is a gland, but it has to be decalcified from fluoride, fluoride in the water, genetically modified foods, artificial sweeteners, diet sodas, all that stuff calcifies it and basically has an effect on us that our brains get slow and we don't know. That's why we, we, have, we get lazy. We, we want to go home and just sit down and watch TV because we're not using that. But, but spiritualists develop it. It's called the third eye. And, and we need that for telepathy. We need that developed. So it can be decalcified through meditation. And with healers, people who work on decalcifying and opening the third eye, as we do that and as we strengthen it, just like we would with a muscle, we all And what does meditation look like for you, Lori? What's your meditation? Oh, my goodness. I love meditation. There's all kinds of meditation. Um, I, I have so many different kinds of meditation, active, engaged, healing meditations, silent meditations, walking meditations, breathing meditations, kundalini activation meditations. It's endless. Let me say this. The way I teach people who want to learn animal communication and telepathy and also who want to develop their psychic abilities, because we're all psychic, we all have these gifts, is in a very early stage, putting a timer on, even if it's a timer with your cell phone or an egg timer, and sit still.
still and breathe deeply. And that timer, for however long you can do it the first time, increase it little by little each time you do it and let nothing and no one interrupt you. No cell phones, no pings, no pongs, no (laughs) alerts, no phone, nothing. And sit still and breathe and be conscious, be mindful, just be aware. That's a great way to start. I know your audience knows that and I know you know that, but it's a great way to start just being aware, being conscious and being still. And And how do you start your day every day? Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, the first thing I do when my eyes wake up and I become aware, like, oh, I'm awake. I will immediately start just almost every time breathing to to make sure that the way I feel is the way I want to feel. So I'm breathing in my bed and this may be 30 seconds, a minute, because I'm the next thing I'm going to need to do is get up and use the restroom. Right. But I'm breathing just enough so that I can feel really good. And usually it's like, I'm breathing in some happiness, breathing in some gratitude. Those are all energies breathing in maybe some excitement, um, some optimism, breathing in some, some appreciation for myself, I'll breathe that in and I'll let myself feel that in my body. And, and I might mentally state one, two, three, four things I'm grateful for uh, that I'm grateful for about my day or whatever. And as you exhale, are you exhaling something else? Sometimes if I need to, but not usually, maybe I might make a sound. Sometimes I do that, but that's more at nighttime. When I go to sleep, I'll let my body make a sound if it needs to. And you know, that sounds like whatever I need to release, like, uh, uh, right. you know, that's more like a nighttime thing for me in the morning. Yeah. thing, I'm just breathing in how I want to feel, putting myself in a state of what I want to feel like. And then I, I'm using the restroom. Then I do, I do a meditation every morning. I'm not always every morning if it's a really jam-packed day, but but most every morning I'm doing some form of meditation and it might be a healing meditation. I might be sending love to people that I'm going to be working with, family, friends, clients, or maybe not. Sometimes it's not even sending love. Sometimes it's sending peace or just well wishes or, um, you know, loving kindness is a good one Mm because it depends on who I'm working with that day or, um, Sometimes I'm doing particular healing for, for collectives. Like I do healing sometimes for collective of animals. Like, um, I do a lot for farm animals, for example, you know, sending love Mm -hmm. and healing. And I set intentions for, for humanity too. I do a lot of that. I don't do this every day. There's not one thing every day. It's different. Right. Sometimes I'm doing a lot of intentions, like, especially when there's elections coming up, my intention is that that candidate which is for the absolute highest and best for humanity, whoever that candidate is, who really is truly desiring and intending to serve the greater good of all, let that candidate be elected. That I'll do. Can you tell us a story about someone you've worked with that you brought some of these abilities and powers to them and somehow it's transformed their life? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me say first, uh, I'll say uh, the most recent example I would love to share is every year I lead a sacred crystal journey to Arkansas. And we work with the crystals in the inner earth because crystals have consciousness and they, they help humans to wake up and they help humans to heal. And I teach people how to work with these crystals and we go on crystal digs. It's really fun. 
And it's a spiritual community also of awakening beings. So this most recent one we did in Arkansas was uh, in September. And we had almost 40 women, one man. He was loved and adored. And it was so incredible. It was probably one of the best weeks of my entire life. And I know everybody loved it because every person, I mean, it just, everybody loved it. We set a collective intention for our group that everyone receives the maximum benefits that serve supports and assist them. That's my, that's my, always my group intention. And that we, we kept, we get, we got together in pre-calls to set ourselves up for success. And we would ask, what is the absolute highest and best? I recommend this question. Ask pe- people to ask it all the time. Ask it, but don't answer it. Let the universe answer it. We ask, what is the highest and best that could happen for everyone on this retreat? For all of us, what's our highest? What's the highest and best that could happen for us? It was just so amazing. But everyone on the retreat, everyone walked away knowing how to use crystals for healing for themselves and for others, because many of them are healers and many of them are crystal workers and astrologers and readers. And those are the kinds of people who come to my events, right? They're already mindful. You know, they're all, some of them are already recognizing themselves as star seeds and ascension guides and other kinds of teachers and healers. So every one of them walked away feeling themselves transformed. Every one of them. I mean, because every one of them told me I was interacting directly with all of them. This wasn't like they were in an audience and they didn't get to work. We were hanging out, making breakfast together, making lunch together, having dinner together, doing meditations together. Do we crystal singing bowls together? And we got healing. Every one of them walked away feeling that they felt confident to have a two-way dialogue with the consciousness of a crystal because crystals. And how long did that take place? How long did that take place? It was a week. Wow. That must've been wonderful. Do you have any more schedule? I just want the next one's in September next year. Cause I do it every year. And I also do a light worker camp in the winter and that's in Florida. And that's where people come to me and they, we do this too, but it's a little bit different because we're not working directly with the crystals in Arkansas. We're working the same on ourselves and our animals to activate and awaken our potential within us and to do healing for ourselves, to do healing for the collective of humanity in service to the greater good with harm to none. That's our mantra, you know, service to the greater good of all with harm to none. And anyway, so, but this is, I know that every one of them walked away completely transformed in terms of their own personal experience and also in terms of their gifts, talents, and abilities and what they were going to bring forward into their lives. And, and by the Mind, way, Mindful Tribe, you can check out Lori at her website, lorispania.com. And let me spell that for you. Lori is L-O-R-I and Spania is S-P-A-G-N-A, lorispania.com. And she has free gifts on her website, Mindful Tribe. So go to her website and you can go to lorispania.com slash free gifts. And you'll find the free gifts right there. I'm really fascinated with the crystals, Lori. Mm. I really am. And how you say crystals have consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I once interviewed someone and she said she was she was standing on a crystal block. Oh, fascinating. And she was doing that for a reason based on the consciousness. Is, is there more consciousness in a bigger crystal? Is there more ability to to communicate with the consciousness of that crystal if you have a bigger piece? Mm. 
Actually, the size isn't so much the issue as the clarity. It's like a diamond, right? Clarity. That's what's most important. And also the cut. You don't, you know, ideally that it's not fractured or broken, but the clarity is the most important thing with a crystal, just because like anything, I mean, if it's clear, if you're clear, if I'm clear, I can communicate telepathically better. If I've cleared out my own density and my own unconsciousness and all those things that make me think it's not possible and all that. But the crystals, um, if you just, I know you know this and I know your audience knows this, our audience knows this, that everything is vibration. Everything is vibration. Yes. And all vibration has a frequency. So denser, heavier, thicker, more solid vibration, for example, might be typically categorized as things that are more unpleasant. For example, dis-ease, like that's dense and heavy. Happiness and joy is light, right? And folly. Mm -hmm. So we like typically desire higher, lighter frequencies, right? Well, crystals have the highest vibration of any physical matter on all of earth. The highest. Really? The highest? Higher than gold, higher than platinum. Okay, now I can't factualize that. This is psychic information. As far as I know, from psychic information, from communicating with crystals and higher beings and the non-physical realm, that to my knowing is absolutely true. And so these crystals, they're storing up consciousness and they're also storing up records. So if you look at like trees, the tree has a record. If you look at the lines, right? If you look at your thumbprint, your thumbprint is a record. Yes, it is. And same is true for crystals. So they have records and there's lines on what we call Lemurian crystals, which are uh, quartz crystals. When you dig them out of the earth and when you rub your finger on those lines, you're basically connecting with the records. What is that? What do I mean by records? Story, history, information, energy. And when we learn how to access that, it expands our consciousness. And yes, we can learn how to heal ourselves. It's not a pill. This is the most important thing because humanity has been conditioned, brainwashed to this yes. idea that it's a pill. Take a pill, yes. call me in the morning, everything will be okay. That's not how it works. These crystals are shifting and changing us. And by the way, I know you know this too, but they're using patterns, sacred geometry, patterns of sacred geometry, which are unbendable, unchangeable perfection. Fibonacci spiral, for example, is in every crystal. It's in everything of life. So when we start working with this, our bodies start to conform and change to perfection. Perfection for us as unique individuals. We're not going to turn into a crystal, but we're going to conform. The same way, by the way, two women who menstruate, who live together, menstruate together. Why? They synchronize. It's the same thing that happens when you start working with crystals in a conscious way. You don't just treat them. Fascinating. And in your book, you talk about the science behind communicating with animals. Yeah. A little bit about the science. Can you share just a, a bit of that? Yeah. Well, I already mentioned the theta brainwave. Yeah. That's fact, yeah, right? Did. So humans are and working. And that's science. Yeah. Most of the time, humans are only using two brainwaves, delta when you sleep and beta when you're active and alert. If you meditate or if you really chill out a lot in front of TV, you might be using an alpha, an alpha brainwave. And the alpha brainwave just restores you to homeostasis, right? So that's why it's very important actually not to watch TV and go into a meditative state or fall into, you know, sleep because your alpha brainwave will just say, yes, 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 yes. So when the TV is telling you, you know, 
call your doctor? Do you have mesothelioma? Your brainwave, if you're in an altered state, is saying yes, yes, yes. But nonetheless, telepathy, theta brainwave. Okay. Also, we mentioned the pineal gland and the pituitary glands. Those master glands in the center of the brain, that's factual, that's science. Now, when that's decalcified, just like anything, and when it's opened and activated, and when you start using it, that is fact. You have that in you, and that is a brain, uh, part of the brain that allows you to use your extrasensory ability, clairvoyance, clairsentience, claircognizance, clairaudience. These are all clairvoyance. Did I say that one? The clairs, right? That's you be able to see with your with your brain. You see with your mind. You hear with your inner brain. That's all factual science. Also, our skin is an incredible communication device, and this has been studied by the Institute of Heart Math. They're studying yeah. all of these extrasensory abilities that we have. So, this is the science behind it. This isn't woo woo. Yeah, like heart math is very cool. More. Yeah, I've 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 always loved science, and that's what I love about my podcast is I get to talk to people like you about the science yes. behind these things and how it connects to consciousness. I always ask a question, Laurie, about bullying. Do you have a story either uh, where maybe you were bullied or you were a bully or some kind of story where maybe mindfulness would have made a difference? Oh my God. I can't believe you brought that up. I'm in a little bit of shock right now because bullying has been a really big theme in my life over the last month where, has it? oh yeah, because there's so much bullying on planet earth. And yes. I, I personally, yeah, that's a, wow. That's a, I'm having like an eye opening experience myself right now because it's like, you know, one of those synchronicity, synchronistic types of things. But yeah, you know, if you just look at our, our, our reality, we have, an energy of this arrogance supremacy in a lot of our reality. And I mean, you kind of see it in our current president. I mean, not to get, you know, like him, dislike him is not the fact, not, not the issue. We can see it in a lot of our corporations in in a lot of our leadership. Uh, mm-hmm. We see it in the schooling systems where children are bullying each other. It's, it's sort of this arrogance supremacy kind of programming in the unconscious. And you definitely do see it in the spiritual communities too. And I have experienced some of that where I got involved over the last month with three different people who were demonstrating this kind of arrogance, superiority kind of energy. And it would reveal itself in a way that was bullying to me, felt bullying, because it's kind of like an energetic attack. If for someone as sensitive like me, it could easily be described as just very threatening. And it's where uh, almost like you're put on this sort of, uh, it's offensive and you're, you're energetically put on defense. In my case, th- that was how it was. It feels like someone's throwing daggers at you, but they're uh, almost like attacking you, but they're doing it in such a passive way. In, this, in these, all three of these examples with this kind of arrogance and supremacy And I was feeling like I was on defense. I had to defend myself for no reason. Like it wasn't like there was anything wrong. It was just these situations. And I realized in all three of these cases, these were people involved in the spiritual community. And I realized that they hadn't processed their own inner arrogance and supremacy. And they were bullying me, but they weren't conscious of the fact that they were doing it. 
And I call this kind of like a spiritual bypassing. It's very easy to bypass some of that. How did I resolve it? To answer your question, I I did two things. Well, three things. Number one, because there were three different cases. Number one was I immediately disentangled. I, I verbally in my mind, mentally in my mind, went to Ho'oponopono. Because that's the first mm-hmm. thing, like namaste. Mentally, right. namaste. I recognize you as a soul. I'm sorry, whatever happened. I wish you well. I wish you peace. I love you. I bless you. I honor you. Thank you. That's my version of Ho'oponopono, right? But yeah. whatever you say, I love you. I bless you. Thank you. I forgive you. Whatever it is. That immediately disentangles me. I do what's called the spiritual divorce. That's a process I do, a healing process where I really clear all their energy out that's theirs and send it back to them, blessed and cleansed, none of mine, and return mine to me, cleansed and blessed, because I don't want anyone else's energy. Just by that kind of entanglement, it doesn't feel good, right? So I do a spiritual divorce, a cleansing. And then the other thing I do is go out into nature, reconnect with Mother Earth because she's the ultimate healer, take some time down. And I look within me, where am I bullying myself? Where is it within me that that exists? And where is it within me there's arrogance or supremacy? Where do I need to come into peace and resolution with that? I have to look within myself. And then I have to resolve that wherever that may exist. That's part of what I do as a healer. And then the last thing is, if there's any unfinished business with that soul, I might offer a blessing or a gift. And that's not where I'm invading their space, but the blessing or the gift might be, in one of the cases with the arrogance and supremacy, I just said, you're a good person. Like, I felt like that's what that person needed. You're a good person. You don't have to be better or worse than anyone. You're good just as you are. Yeah, you are enough. You are enough. Sometimes yeah, I might yeah, offer exactly. that, but more like I give it to God to give it to them. It's not for me yeah. to. Well, yeah. Lori, I have to finish up the interview. We're almost out of time, but I want to ask you five quick answer questions. Okay. So they have to be super quick. Okay. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness? Um, I would say Wayne Dyer was a huge influence from my earliest years. He's my first book I ever read at 13, Your Erroneous Zones. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? In the highest and best ways, it has helped me to be more neutral, more balanced. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. Breathing is the, is the ultimate answer to restoration of my own inner peace. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? Oh my goodness. Where do I begin? Anything from Louise Hay, anything from, oh my goodness. I have so many books. I don't even know where to begin on that. Anything. Oh, I agree. From Louise, true. Louise Hay. Anything yeah, from Sounds, sounds true. true. I mean, yeah. Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle is a really good one on that. I, Are there any apps you recommend? Oh my, no, I, that one I'm, I don't even, I'm not a technologist. Right. <laughs> okay. Not a problem. Well, it has been such a pleasure, Lori, to talk to you and to get insight from you and what you do to help people. And it's incredible. It really is because I think so many people have a sense that they are communicating telepathy with telepathy or they're communicating with animals, but that's kind of where it ends. They just kind of have a sense but you help us to understand that it is a real thing. Yeah. Oh, thank you for saying that, Bruce. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a joy and a pleasure. And My pleasure I really too. enjoyed myself. My pleasure. All the best to you. Bye now. 
Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest's name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. So hit subscribe and share because that truly helps our show. Remember what I mentioned at the top of the show about whether you work in corporate, have teams of employees, and you want to reduce stress with those employees and help them to be more productive. You can download the free resource, 10 Simple and Effective Ways to Increase Mindfulness in the Workplace Now. And once your employees are happier and you know, productivity will increase. Download the free resource at mindfulnessmode.com forward slash workplace p so remember subscribing and sharing helps keep mindfulness mode on the air till next time mindful tribe use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode